You're a funny guy, Sally. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. What do you want to tell me now, tough guy? I said, Bing, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother. <laughs> you don't trust me at all, do you? I tell you what, you make it through tomorrow without killing anybody, then I'll start trusting you. Fair enough. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. All right, this is Kill You Last. I'm Peter Garacci. I'm Alex Pashera. And we have Alexander Payne coming to us from somewhere. Are you on the East Coast? I'm on, I'm in Queens. I'm in a oh, okay. basement slash walk-in in Queens. Because you're, you're a California guy, so I always... Yeah. I feel like when I don't see you for a while, that maybe you went back to L.A. or something. I don't know. That's better than what other people think. Usually they think I'm dead, so this is great. <laughs> no, jeez. <laughs> uh, no, well, actually, funny you say that because I'm glad that you're alive and well. Yeah, for a very long time. Yeah, we were excited to, we wanted to have you back, and then, um, so I'm excited, you know, to finally get you back uh, for a second time. Me too. On the podcast. I'm excited yeah. to talk about this movie. Yeah, so interesting, you, um, I had a, I ran into a friend of mine the other day who's, who's an actress, really smart, uh, cultured chick, and she's like, oh, dude, I listened to the Akira episode, it was so good, he's like, she's like, I really like the guy that you had on for the Akira episode. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I want to get him back on. Like, he's awesome. Like, I'm trying to get him back on. And so you picked Akira I had never seen, but obviously had heard of. This yeah. movie I had never heard of. Same. So I'm very interested. And I, I enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah. I was like, I need you to take the lead on this because I don't know anything about anything with this. Okay. Just start right now. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, we'll say the movie and say why you picked it. Uh, the movie is a Violent Cop. Um, I picked it because I'm a huge fan of Beats. That's his nickname. His name is Beats uh, Katano, or I think it's Takeshi Katano's real name. But I picked it because uh, Beats is a comedian. And I love anytime a comedian like goes out and branches out and does something different. And essentially what you're seeing is you're seeing someone like Japanese Robin Williams or Woody Allen basically do a gangster like a uh, uh, he does Yakuza movies and he does uh, like dirty cop movies and the line is always blurred. Yeah, and, and, you know that's a pretty crazy thing for someone to do. Like you know again like in America we don't know who he is but in Japan he is a through and through comedian. Like he's on TV he has a bunch of shows he's famous it's like and he just reinvented himself with this movie. So yeah, if, I, like, if I, I have really this, enjoyed it, if, I had, if, go ahead. I was going to say, I'd never heard of it before. And I looked it up and I was kind of like, all right, we'll see what, and like, it, like it hooked me immediately. Yeah. And I didn't know, I didn't know him at all. And then I watched some YouTube stuff about him and yeah, he is like, he's not even like, he's goofier than Woody Allen and Robin Williams. Like he's like a TV presenter with like really like off the wall. Yeah. It's amazing. And I like as a comedian who loves like movies and like I don't want to play like the goofy friend in a movie. Like I want to play the killer in a movie. Yeah, and I was agreed. so inspired seeing this. You know, that's why I chose this movie because <laughs> every comedian knows the depth that they have within them. And you know, sometimes it's like even when you go on stage, people see you and they go, "Well, is this guy funny?" And you know, you're funny. 
And then you prove that you're funny and then people go, well, can he really do anything else other than be funny? And you see like actors struggle with it here in America, like Adam Sandler with Uncut Gems or yeah, well, even right. Ron Williams did, I think, Insomnia. Yeah. Uh, and it's like Jim Carrey did number 23. But what this guy did was like, like you said, he's a really goofy personality. It's like, you know, he was doing basically like Abbott and Costello in Japan. Huh. And it's like he just completely takes the narrative of who he is and like reinvents it and i was like i'm in love with this guy he's my favorite person to come out of japan since akira kurosawa yeah so it like i'm a huge kurosawa guy i'm a, a huge tashiro mifune guy it reminded me a little bit of kurosawa but there's a lot of other like there's like easy like stuff where you're like oh it's a it's a japanese dirty harry it's like yeah that's a little bit too easy like i think it it, it's like its own thing. It's just kind of funky and like interesting. And I was really impressed. So he he had acted before, right? Yes. But then he took over as the director of this movie. So this is the first movie he ever directed. Yeah. And the thing that caught me was like the, how well made the movie was. Like the style, the shots. Yeah. Like like it, for a first time director period. Like it's a really impressive piece of work. Um, well, I always say that, like, you know, when you're a comedian, like, in general, you're the writer, the director, the editor. So you kind of already know, like, even if you're thinking of a bit in your head, it's kind of like a movie. So yeah. you already have an idea of what you want. And I love him because he's very, he's, he'll, if you watch his later movies, and I recommend you watch his later movies, because they get, they only get better. Um, he does a lot of like uh, sparse, like the camera just sits here, kind of like a zoom, like just this, just this is the camera. Yeah. And he'll do just a lot of cutting back and forth or have something happen in the frame. And it's like, oh, this is how it should play out. He's like, well, if it plays out that way in a comedy, why can't I make it work for an action movie? Yeah. And he just knows instinctively like this will work, this won't work. He works very like, I don't think he does more than like three takes. Yeah, he like two and let's go and like and he says if he doesn't get what he wants from an actor he just changes the camera angle and goes on to the next thing he's very instinctual like a comedian is it, it's funny because there's, there's a couple there's a lot of amazing close-up shots of faces especially his face yeah and he's got a great movie face like amazing yeah and i'm looking at him and he's he's playing like pre pretty much just an amoral he's a cop but he's just basically an amoral killer and there's really not a lot of explanation. There's not a lot of backstory. He just is like, he's almost like a, he's like a machine. He's just a non-stoppable non machine. Yeah. And I'm looking at his face on the screen and I'm like, this guy's a comedian. And then I go, oh, if you just take out the trying to be funny part and just leave the, the empty dark part, yeah. every comedian is this guy. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Amazing. And, um, Amazing. You, so I, how did you find this movie? Like, how did you, what's your, like, background? Um, I don't remember the first movie I saw with him. God, what movie did I see with him? Maybe it was Fireworks. I don't know if you guys heard of this movie, but he did, a, he, he basically has developed this genre or this style of filmmaking. And then later on, he get, he got to the point where he was, I mean, it's, it's later on, but it's like 1997. There's this movie called Fireworks, and he got to the point where he figured it out. Like, everything you see in this movie, he does better in a later movie. Yeah. And it was one of the best movies I'd ever seen. 
and he was funny and he was just like really talented. And I was like, who is this guy? I've never heard of this guy. I've never heard of this movie. And I really like all world cinema. And then I looked him up and then I was like, oh, I have to watch everything he's ever done. And uh, I watched, I've seen about maybe five or six of his movies. I've seen this one, the next one. And uh, I mean, for me, this guy is like, this movie is like, a, I don't know what you call it, but I call it like a one for one script. I don't know if that makes sense, but the idea is like, if one thing happens to one character, which is his character, Azuma, then it has to happen to the antithesis of his character, which is uh, Kiyoshiro, which is the bad guy who he basically yeah. fights in the movie. And it's like, there was so much of what I had seen in this movie reminded me of like, I feel like this is what the Coens are trying to do in a lot of their movies. Yeah. Mm. But they can't sometimes get the humor in it. Like, I feel like that character, um, Sugar, and uh, what's that movie? Um, the No Country for Old Men. Yeah, right. yeah. Is, is really this kind of guy that's in this movie. Like, a gay guy who's really a secret, like, super badass killer. And I'm like, I feel like for him, though, he's figured it out because he knows the other half of it, which is, at some parts, it kind of needs to just be played out plain. Like, I don't need to make a big hoorah about it. Like, you know, I think there's a scene where his sister is, like, basically getting raped. And then it's like, there is no ultra dramatic music. There's, no. there's barely any music that plays in the film. Right. Um, I mean. That rape scene know. is yeah. very, uh, it struck me by how no frills, if, if that's insensitive, I'm sorry. But there was just no frills. It was just literally a girl getting raped and basically the sounds of the bed moving. And it was, it was pretty fucking dark. Like, and but two guys are playing yeah. foosball. In the right, right, right. It's silly. And that's, like, and that's played for comedy. That's shot exactly yeah. like it's yeah. the way the shot is crafted that you're looking, Oof. you're basically looking through the guy raping the girl to see the background. Right. Yeah. That that's shot was like, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, and again, it's, like, I feel like also like we've been, We've seen everything in movies now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every possible scenario has been played out. So the only way to really be shocking anymore is to be like have it be just dead and inhuman. You know, what yeah. I mean? and that, that scene is very like it's it's awful because it's not cinematic at all. Yeah, you just left to sit with it. Like you're in the room there too, and you yeah, feel like you're, you're a just sitting there, and you're like. Oh my god! I want to do something, or someone do something, but it just like it never comes. It just like eventually, and then they, you know, they get her high, and you're like, "Oh my god, what the hell is going on?" This is like, you want to leave the scene? Yeah, no, that's you're frozen. You're yeah, frozen. You're, like, you're stuck there with inaction, and I, I love this movie because, again, it's like he he took over the directing, but he also rewrote a lot of it, and a lot of the movie works like a on some levels, like a Shakespearean kind of thing, where it's like his sister is crazy, like Ophelia. Yeah. And like, uh, he, he, they have these like ties, their allegiances or whatever, but each one of them breaks their allegiances. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of double crossing going on. They're not loyal to whoever they're supposed to be loyal to, whether it's him to like the force or the police mm -hmm. and, and whether it's the, um, the, the assassin to his, to his boss, basically. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's what I like, which is like, you know, okay, if it happens with one character, it's going to happen with the other character, which is eventually Azuma's thrown off the force. Mm -hmm. But then if Azuma's thrown off the force, then that guy has to be thrown out of his ordeal too for disobeying. And it's like, 
it seems like such an easy thing to do to be like, oh, if one happens to one character, I'll just write it with the other character. But it's so simple and it's done so well that you kind of it you kind of forget that that's happening right there. Like I watched it a couple times, so I've like noticed the similarities between the scenes. And he does this really smart thing, which is when the film begins, it's basically children beating up an old man. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's basically showing you, it's like the thesis of the movie is at the end when the whole final showdown has happened, the guy goes like, everyone's gone crazy. Yeah. And that's like the thesis of the whole movie is like, at the beginning, you're going to see kids beat up an old man. And it's like, there is no blurring of lines between cop or criminal or kid or criminal or, or a prostitute or a sick person or whore. It's like, it's all just like thrown in together into a big pot. And you're like, well, who is the good guy? Even the rookie at the end is a bad guy. You're like, yeah, it's funny. It's, that was surprising. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the Coen Brothers because this is like this is like this is my my Rain Man like nerd brain. But um, the the Coen Brothers' first movie is Blood Simple, mm-hmm. and the line Blood Simple comes from the novel Red Harvest, and it's literally about a town where everybody starts killing each other, and a character says like everyone's gone Blood Simple, meaning like like everyone's got murder on the brain it's making everybody go crazy yep and the novel is one of the influences of yojimbo which is kurosawa yeah and basically every every uh you know lone guy with maybe no name or stranger comes to town and takes on the bad guys that all comes from yojimbo and it all really comes from like, you know, like sort of hard boiled crime fiction from the 1930s. Like you could just as easily, this story could just as easily be like an old West town. Easily, like yeah. The turn of the 20th century as, as Japan. And I, and Kurosawa, I feel like I, I love Kurosawa, but they always say that Kurosawa was like the most Americanized um, Japanese director. So he yeah. wasn't really respected in Japan. It's like, it's like, I like Chipotle burritos better than real Mexican burritos. Like I, yeah. I recognize the paradox in that. Yeah. When you watch like like actual Japanese stuff that's not considered westernized, like it's very like it's very strange to westernize. There's a movie, I think it's called Samurai Assassin that yeah. stars uh, Kurosawa and it's just like the story you're watching I'm like and, like it's like what the fuck is going on here? I can't even keep it's so like quote unquote foreign whereas Kurosawa films to a western viewer are like all right, even though I don't understand the language, I can make out what's happening here mm-hmm. and so this movie it's like it, it, it's very you can tell it's very influenced by western cinema for sure but it's also like so japanese that yeah. i think it's really cool like kind of melding of the two he um his the the actual like material and the stories they are very they feel much more western mm-hmm. but like his shot selection the way he directs it there's like this famous japanese director like ozu yeah. who always like has the person stare at the camera and he does that a lot in this movie like yeah. i think one of my favorite scenes is the uh, interrogation scene where he tries to trick him into picking up the knife yes and it's basically him staring at the camera and he's just like frozen like this and then that guy looks down and at the knife and then you cut back and you see the gun behind him and it's like oh okay like this guy knows what he's doing he has he, he knows Japanese cinema, but he goes like, "Okay, here's my twist on it." Yeah, like Ozu would just have people talking. He's like, "No, no, no. Let's let's put some some action, something into this." It made me think of like I don't know if you see like Bad Lieutenant with Harvey Keitel. Oh yeah, it definitely like Tarantino, like Reservoir Dogs was definitely influenced 
by this movie. Like the empty warehouse. Yep. Anytime, like the way the warehouse is lit, like that kind of stuff. Like Tarantino definitely looked at this before he made Reservoir Dogs. But and and uh, I mean, I feel like the Coen Brothers too. Like in Miller's Crossing, there's a there's a scene in a, in a big empty warehouse. It's like I just, I love that use of like a huge space like that, and then you're just like basically watching two people in a giant space. It's just it's just a really interesting like filmmakers and again voice. I like it just because of the simple ideas of like the writing of it, which is like you know when they're in that interrogation scene, uh, Azuma shoots his own cop, like he basically shoots someone on his own force, and then later on in another scene, Koyiro is gonna shoot one of his guys and tells him if you leave, I'm gonna kill you. He's like if you run away, you're gonna die, but if you leave, I'm gonna kill you. So it's literally the same scene. It's just mirrored in a different way. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, this guy is so smart about how he's doing it, but he's just hiding it. Only a comedian could do it. Like, you know, like when you yeah. hear like a great joke, you're like, oh, that's so simple. Why didn't I think of that? Right. And again, like, like it, right. It, it, I couldn't stop thinking about Kurosawa. Like, there's a lot of comedy in Kurosawa, and Toshiro Mifune is maybe my favorite actor. And I can't understand a word he's saying, but the physicality, I think that's where a comedic actor really is good like you can be physical in a way that maybe a dramatic actor doesn't even realize that they can do like a lot of his performance in this movie is actually a lot of all of the actors a lot of it is physical it's not necessarily language like he, he just found all these faces and a lot of the faces look like they could have been like out of anime like they almost don't even look like real faces they don't even look human and um it made me think of um again with like the western influence like the yakuza this is about the yakuza which you know, Japanese organized crime. And uh, Kurosawa's first film with, with um, Mifune was um, Drunken Angel. I love that. That's a great film. the first Yakuza movie. Yeah. And the Yakuza really came to prominence after the war in Japan. And I remember, like, listening to, like, the commentary on Drunken Angel, and what they said was, like, the Yakuza dressed in Western clothes. Yep. And that was a sign of decadence. So it was a sign of decline in Japan that these gangsters were wearing like suits that like men in America wore. Yeah. And in this movie, I couldn't stop looking at all the suits the guys were wearing. Like, and they the play style baseball. of everybody is a big part of the movie. And I, I, like, I fucking love that shit. Like it's so, it, it's such a, it's such a like, it seemed like it would be a minor detail, but it's like, it's everything. A lot of that comes from his childhood. His uh, childhood, he said, when he was growing up, you either wanted to be in the Yakuza or you mm. wanted to play baseball. Yeah. And that was uh, it. It was like the only two options you had. Like, you know, he kind of lucked into being a comedian because he wanted to be an engineer. And it's funny, I heard, I was, so there's like a YouTube documentary about him. And he, mm. um, he like applied to get a mentorship as a comedian. Yeah, I don't know if you heard that, like yeah. apparently in Japan, it's like it's like you either get like a like somebody who makes swords to teach you how to make swords, or you get a comedian to teach you how to do comedy. Yeah, and I like I I was like, oh man, I wish I had a comedy mentor that I could just be like, can you teach me how to do this now? Like, it's so funny that like that sort of like because that's like that's sort of like the samurai culture where you just you go find a master, and you're like, you know, master, teach me how to do this thing. So clearly that's a very different style of comedy than we have in the United States. But yeah, um, I think that goes like a bit like the appreciation of like just even the past generation. Yeah. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, we're so focused on everything that's new. What's the new right. movie? What's the new this? What's that? 
And it's like one day you're gonna talk to kids and you're gonna be like, Man, you gotta see this almost you gotta see Terminator. And I'm like, What the hell's Terminator? Oh, dude, it's already For happening. Sure. It's already yeah, happening. gonna look at you like I wanna see a new movie. I don't wanna see anything like from the past. Oh, every, for sure. Every time one of my favorite movies, like every time I see like on TV uh, a movie that I love, it's always the remake version that I don't want to watch. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like they never play the original Total Recall on TV. They play the fucking Colin Farrell remake, <laughs> which I have no desire to watch at all. That's kind of the point of this movie too, is that, again, these children, when the movie starts, they they don't care about the law. They don't care that they're beating up an old man. Even the new detective at the end, he doesn't care that he's like basically his partner's dead and he's like, I'm going to get paid for this. It's It just gets to the point where like these new group of people that come in, they don't really give a fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even the guy that replaces the Yakuza boss is just like, you know, he doesn't care that he's taking the other guy that died right in that chair's job. And that yeah. lady just is like there going like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah. man was just murdered in that chair like a day ago, dude. Like, what? It, it, it's so interesting, and I, I feel like I'm I'm gonna I want Alex the other Alex to talk because I'm talking too much. But like just just on this point, there's something to like the system just goes on. It doesn't yeah. matter. You're just plugging pieces into the chessboard, but the the game continues. So it's so brilliant to end on the shot because like that's such a like banal thing. A woman at a word processor, right? Like she's literally that's that's her job. She's the secretary for the yakuza boss. You know what I mean? So like to end on that like that's basically saying that like it, it's so banal that like life is just gonna go on. It doesn't yep. matter which guy is the yakuza boss, and it doesn't matter which guy is the crooked cop because yep. there's gonna be another yakuza boss, and there's gonna be another crooked cop. Yep. And anyway, in the movie for sure, I've talked too much. So Alex, no, no, you haven't. I mean, I mean, you have a lot of uh, uh, background to get through with the you know. I mean. I, I like hearing about your experience with uh, something new because it's rare that Peter gets to watch a movie on this podcast where, that he hasn't seen before. So, I mean, you know, um, I, I, I I agree with all this. I thought it was stylistically awesome to watch this movie. I, I kind of ex- had high expectations going in because when we had you on the first time, I hadn't even heard of Akira and I was kind of blown away by that movie. And so I, I had high expectations because this was another, you know, Asian movie I hadn't heard of before. I was like, all right, this will be a a masterpiece as as well. And it was, you know, it met those expectations, which is hard to do. I I was, I I'm, I'm surprised I wasn't let down by this movie. Um, Also, you know, I don't love having to follow subtitles and I, by, 20 minutes in, I forgot it wasn't in English. It, it was so well-paced. Uh, the story was so simple, but yeah. compelling. Compelling enough that I wanted to find out more. I think the thing you're talking about where, like, um, where it's well-balanced and sort of like uh, a mirror image of the things that happen to one character happen to the other character. I think the reason it works so well here and doesn't come across like a Looney Tunes sketch or something where it's like just like a very... Like, cause that, cause you could do that in so many different forms of entertainment. But the reason it works so well in this movie is you're you're not aware of it as it's going on, unless you're analyzing it on like a meta level. Yeah. And the reason you're not aware of it and the is because it's done cohesively. So basically, when something happens to the cop, and then later something happens to the assassin, 
it makes sense that both of those things happen independently, not just for the sake of it being a mirror image, but also to progress the story that's being told anyway. I think it's 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 uh very well in it's 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 well set up and it's it's per everything done in this is purposeful and that's why you don't have to get so complicated and and I like that this movie just kind of is very straightforward to to an extent like there's nothing you really have to look into like like for instance that scene with the rape like there's no like I don't know how much of a deeper meaning there is there it's just you're watching what is happening and that's 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 what's happening in front of you and there's something that I really uh think is 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 cool to watch about a movie that's not trying to disguise much you know and it's not even that scene of like the woman being raped it's not like how you see it in hollywood which is a woman clawing and screaming right. get away from me get away it's done in like quiet silence exactly so, no, like, no no like melancholy like strings or anything no they could just yeah. go like you know these guys are going to be arguing about how this girl can't feel anything which was already a problem before that earlier on right and like it's just weird how able how well he's able to know that like okay i don't want a lot of talking in this movie because there's really not a lot of dialogue and he's just going like don't worry the pace of the film is going to be fine almost yeah. like he would take an act he knows like all right don't worry like i know how to get to this hour and 30 minute mark i know what's going to happen i know like after i do the interrogation scene which was like you know it's not really that much but just that one little setup in the middle of it with the knife and the gun and then you get to the scene where they're on the street mm -hmm. and i've watched it like five times and like he tries to he stabs him and he tries to stab him and him just holding on to a knife at the wrong end yeah one of the most powerful shots i've ever seen oh my god you my feel life. it you feel it you feel like, your own hand when he's you trying not to die like you yeah. can see it in his hand like i don't want to die and then he kicks him down and then he kicks the gun and it kills that woman. It's like, yes, holy shit. Like only two things have happened. He's grabbed a knife and then he kicked a gun, but it's more intense than any shootout I've ever seen. Yeah. It's like, I'm like hooked in to see this. And then he chases him down the street and he has to pull the knife out of his, out of his fucking hand. Cause it's in there so deep that he can't even just let go. And it's like, Oh my God, this guy is, he has thought about everything. So, so well thought out. Yes. That it's like he it wasn't like a script. It was like you can tell he actually saw the movie. Yeah. And he I I, I saw in this YouTube thing he said the same thing. He's like he I, he goes I already have the movie in my head. So yeah. he just has to go like get it done. It's like the filming is like let's just get this over with so I can put together the pieces that I've already created in my head. And I, I was I was always conscious that I was watching a movie in the best sense of the word. Like it was stylized in a way that it, it like like a, a really great play that's like maybe like two sets and a handful of characters mm -hmm. like you know it's not a natural environment like nothing happens like all in somebody's living room but like a play is restricted in that way where you have to make all the action take place in that way this was like a well such a well-oiled machine i was always conscious that that he's sort of the puppet master of this film but i i, I love that for that reason like I, I don't need it to be naturalistic or realistic like i wanted it, it, it is it's almost like a shakespearean like it's like a morality play yeah like, these characters are almost like like the same way like when, like reservoir dogs where they have colored names like you could almost give these characters like no names and they're just like yakuza cop you yes know, heroin addict you know they're they're archetypes like in the best sense of the word but i just I, 
and it's not just that I haven't seen like there's plenty of movies that I haven't seen, but for mm. me to like discover a movie that I've never heard of and a and a and an artist that I've never heard of, and now I'm like I have to know everything about this guy. Yeah, like, watch all of his movies. Like this is like this is a big moment for me, dude. Like you really yeah. gave me a gift. All right, then my first thing is to tell both of you guys you have to watch this other movie. It's called Fireworks. It's, okay. It's, okay. It's, even better than this movie yeah i i know you're like that's crazy to say but that movie he painted a lot of the stuff in it i mean he directs it wrote it everything he just figured it all out completely but i i he figured out how to really create symbols i feel like in this movie like the number one thing i realized when i watched it again because i watched it again today before we did this was uh the idea of bridges this idea of like if you watch the movie again the first shot is of uh I believe it's like after he beats that kid up, he comes across a bridge. Yeah. And then the last shot is the cop going across the bridge after he does the uh, after he takes the money. And right. I mean, not the last shot, but the shot before the last one. Sure. He goes to see the Yakuza. And then if you remember in the middle of the movie, uh, he goes to visit a guy after a drug dealer is killed and he passes the killer on the bridge. Yeah. It's basically about this idea of the union of like these people are like they meet each other all the time they pass each other all the time yeah even earlier on you see kids throwing like uh trash off of the bridge at a guy on a barge boat and it's this idea of like he has this idea of like symbiotic relationships which is like there's no difference between a yakuza there's no difference between a cop there's no difference between a kid it's like they're all at just different stages and they collide yeah and they, the guy's mm. hanging from the bridge the guy commits suicide yeah. And yeah. that opening scene reminds me of Clockwork Orange. Like in Clockwork Orange, they, they kill a homeless guy underneath a bridge. And I'm sure that's not by accident that the, the movie starts with a bunch of kids killing a guy under a bridge. Um, yeah, it's funny. We don't have a ton of time, but like, yeah, I, 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 I do want this movie without. But I think we've kind of answered this question. Like it, it made me think of like cops and uh, like this debate that's happening with police today. And I'm almost like, are people surprised that cops are also corrupt and can be bad dudes or like that, you know, that there's problems with the police? Like this is it's it's very like uh, America centric to think that like we, you know, what I mean, like, there is a good guy, even even yeah. people who hate America put America cops and first. robbers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even who are, people who hate America, like are obsessed with America. Do they think that like if you really think like America invented bad cops, like it's a. It's part of, like you said, it's like it's part of the, the system will continue. Whether you, you replace the one bad guy with another bad guy, the system kind of goes on in a way that's like it's yeah, it's sort of it's a cynical thing, but it's also kind of an adult thing to just accept that, too. Yeah, it, it, it deals with the morality of like, you know, like. None of these people are really, quote unquote, good people and none of them are really bad people like he doesn't really judge them but they're all crazy <laughs> they're all crazy like yeah. everything they do is insane but there are no like good people in this movie like even the lady that's just typing she works she knows where she works yeah yeah he went back the next day yeah so even if something happens to her and she gets involved it's like we're all culpable in this system like even the lady that didn't know where her son went when he went to go beat up a bunch like a homeless dude it's like even that lady is a part of this Right. I also was like, what was she like listening in 
like through the door when her son's getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, yeah like, I was wondering ah. about that. Yeah, <laughs> and also too, like imagine the the secretary like she goes home and tells her boyfriend like how, you know how was work today. <laughs> well, <laughs> my boss got the good shot. news is I still have a job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you made me think of one thing, Alex. It was really funny because you said that Beats like uh, either wanted to be Yakuza or he wanted to be a baseball player, and we were talking about how Yakuza dress. Yeah. When he basically is off the force, he dresses differently. Yeah. And he goes to watch a baseball game. Yep. So he's a civilian, dresses as a civilian, watching baseball. I'm sure that wasn't by accident either, you know? No, that seemed very personal yeah, after very hearing personal. that. Yeah. Him going to the museum, too, is also per- – I mean, he's an artist as well. He actually paints. And when you guys watch Fireworks, because I know you will, you'll see his paintings Absolutely. in the film. And uh, I would also say, if you can, watch his other movie. It's called A Boiling Point. He's yeah. barely in it. He's not in it that much. But I will tell you to watch it just to see the different character that he plays. Mm. Like, in, in uh, Fireworks, in this film, he's very silent. And he's almost like, you know, if, if I was going to compare these guys, I would say, like, you know, Jackie Chan is like the new Buster Keaton. And this guy is like a Charlie Chaplin, Harold Lloyd type, where he can just, like, make his face the whole star of the show. Yeah. And um and in the other film, he does this weird thing. I don't know if you pay attention, but like his blinking is like this. But by the time <laughs> ten years later, he figures out how to just make himself interesting by just blinking like this. Oh, and it's all like right. this guy's a genius. Like of course he's a comedian because he knows every single thing on your face can be used to make you interesting. Right. Right, right. It's on another I, level. Yeah. And it's facial, just facial expressions. Facial expressions are so underrated and can be so subtle and tell such a, and make such a difference, especially, I mean, you know, it, that's one of the first things you learn in stand up, I feel like. Um, well, go ahead. And, and also, like, a lot of, like, I don't love necessarily comedy movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I would rather watch a gangster movie or a bank robber movie, whatever. But, like, when, when, when comedy's done well, in a movie that's not really selling you the comedy, it's not it's not like just goofy shit. It's like stuff that it can be just the way the camera moves, or you know the way a character enters or exits. Like Goodfellas is really good with that. Yeah, Goodfellas so- is hilarious, but it, it's not. There's some scenes that are so fucking funny in Goodfellas. Like you know the scene with um, uh, where Ray Liotta is about to beat the shit out of the guy uh, across the street. You know, oh, like yeah, when he walks, the gun. right, right before he exits the car, he checks his hair yes. and he goes like this and, and then he beats the shit like that little subtle. I don't know who did that, if that was Martin or if that was, you know, his decision, uh, Leota's decision. But that's hilarious to keep that in. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good example of where you're talking about. We have less than a minute before this room closes. I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I didn't realize how fast 40 minutes was. Um, we could extend this, but I mean, I honestly kind of like a short but sweet take yeah, on this, this. Alex thanks so much for coming back oh yeah thank you. introducing us to this this whole other world that I uh, didn't know about that I can't wait to investigate more well yeah I want I want to make sure you have a chance to plug anything you want to plug hopefully we don't get cut off oh uh uninspired TV and watch his movie fireworks beats Boom. yeah beats Katana. Fireworks. Unin- watch fireworks. got it uninspired watch fireworks TV. and uh, uninspired TV we'll link all your shit uh, on YouTube and on Spotify and iTunes all that shit um, yeah, thanks again, man. And do you feel like you talked about everything you want to talk about here, or do you want to? Oh, yeah, watch it? the movie. Just watch the movie. <laughs> yes. I feel like for our listeners, uh, 
you know, just take a just watch this movie, and then obviously we'll we'll all watch fireworks. But um, yeah, take it from us. This, I, I'm sure most people listening to this haven't seen it yet. Definitely worth the watch. It's an hour and forty five minutes. It, it breezes by. It's so good. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. Peace, Peace. out, everyone. Bye, guys.